Have you, silly little boys and girls, ever wondered what it would be like to be a star in a movie? How do you think you would make your performance memorable? Because life really is kind of like a movie. Um, and I can feel the twinkle that is in your eye and in your throat and in your stomach and in your butt right now through the microphone. I can feel that energy. And you, you are writing and producing the story. If you think about it, again, everybody in your life, in your story, is your audience. Will people be excited to watch you gloriously slay the dragon at the summit of Mount Fuckery? Or will they be disappointed with a mundane script that lacks any type of climax or anything that that may be interesting to them at all? Sitting on the couch with your hands down your pants while devouring a bucket of fried chicken does not change the world, and nobody wants to see that nastiness anyways. Your life is an epic quest of awesome adventures and explorations. Strive to make it the most memorable movie possible ever, baby, yes, for yourself. For those who look up to you, but fuck the critics. Nobody cares about them. Now go back to the regular scheduled programming. This is Heath Armstrong, and this is the Never Stop Peaking Show. It's depressing like a dimple on your butt. If you behave, you'll get a nickel you can spend on stuff. And in time, you'll get a dime if you impress your boss. So you can buy some more stuff just to numb your thoughts. You've been a space-driven higgity hunk of me since birth. Flying through the universe on a rock called Earth. Composed of stardust with an emotional gut. Why you letting conformity slam you up the butt? You're not one fucks, two fucks, red fucks, blue fucks. You can play duck hunt and wait around for luck. Or you can rent a big truck and drive your vision. Build a palace to the moon. While your schmuck friends piss their pants Get up and dance, rocket ship that booty Take a chance for your freedom, make it milk that booby Cause when the fear attacks, it tries to crack what you're thinking Fuck no, you'll never stop peeking Ladies and gents and boys and girls, a skidamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skidamarinkity-doo-hoo, are listening to Never Stop Peaking, and I've wanted to do that since the RT Now show ended for so long. It was the first time that popped back into my head. Uh, incredible. Today, boys and girls, exciting, exciting stuff. Um, first, as you all know, if you've listened to any of the other episodes, we do a giveaway every show. So we haven't actually drawn any for those who have reached out and asked from the first two shows yet because it was early in the launch and I'm waiting um, to get that information back so we can draw winners. But as soon as we do, we'll let you know on the show through email, things like that. For everybody who wants to enter the giveaways, you just go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash giveaway. And every episode, we're giving something away from the guest. If it's a solo episode, obviously it's coming from me. Um, but if you enter once, you actually are entered in to win all of the future giveaways. And there's no telling how many hundreds of, uh, hundreds of shows will be coming out. Uh, so make sure you do that. Also, thank you everybody who has left a review for the, um, podcast on iTunes. Every one of you that leaves a review, I am donating $2 to the help international foundation in Uganda that I worked with last summer. And it's the ball's in your court. I mean, it's a free $2 to this charity if you just leave a review. And I really appreciate it. So, 
overcoming adversity, feeding the ego, cleaning human files, channeling sacred geometry. My friend Bree Seeley is on today, and she is incredible. Um, some people are fake and they love eating cakes, and others are real and they love creating thrills. And that's Manfred in the background. He loves creating thrills, if you can hear that. Bree is one of the rare gems that glows with authenticity at all times. And I have mad respect for her vibes, for real. Manfred! Hey! Cut that shit out! Hey, this is real life, people. Um, we first tangled back in 2016 when I interviewed her on my old show, The Artsy Now Podcast, and she's just been a huge influence in my visualization practices that have allowed me to create this kind of freedom lifestyle. And because only gangsters freeball 24-7, Bree and I recorded this conversation with really no agenda, on a cloud with green vegetables and love dancing all around us and in our bellies. Um, we ride through peaks of self-confrontation discussion, diet fuel, methods for self-love, emotional filing cabinets and healing, uh, rewiring your brain, sacred geometry, and allowing yourself permission to leap in, in Bree's new show, But How. Mm, did somebody say but? Oh, yeah. And now, I want to stuff you with some links. Uh, I got to promote something, right? If you guys go to ragecreate.com, we have the pre-launch up for the Kickstarter that we're launching on May 15th. You can get a bunch of free goodies and you can just get a notification for the early bird tiers that are coming out for the sweet ass domination deck. Um, it's going to be incredible. So I'm really, really pumped to launch this and I cannot wait to share it with you. So go check those cards out. Also, if you want to leave a voicemail or ask a question for the show, go to heatharmstrong.com forward slash voice and I'll play those live. If you skip on over to heatharmstrong.com and click the podcast tab, you can get all the show notes for these. And they're not just like the traditional boring, shitty show notes. I actually um, would be interested to see what you guys think about these, but they're funny. And I give just bulletproofs of wisdom from each episode. And it's sort of in my writing style. So check that out. And just remember everybody, life is not about picking sides. It's about harmonizing both sides. And I hope this episode helps you kind of find some middle ground there. Also, Brie gets into a little bit of woo-woo shit um, about methods for self-healing, including, well, we talk about all sorts of stuff, um, self-confrontation in, in um, the methods that we have for healing, like deprivation tanks and acupuncture and brain repattering and reiki and finding these files inside of our body that are storing our tension and being able to reformat those like a hard drive. Um, there's all sorts of really, really cool shit that we get into. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And without farther ado, you are still listening to Never Stop Peaking. And this is Bree and I having a ball. Enjoy. <clears throat> now, let me start at the very beginning. So sorry about the confusion there, Bree. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. You're the worst. The worst. I'm a terrible person sometimes. I'm usually horrible. I get my worst. The absolute pit of shit that boils up inside of me on Thursdays. Really? Yeah, Thursdays are the day where I just destroy people. No, actually, Thursdays are my, you know, really good day. That's why I communicate on them. That's funny. What about you? 
I mean, every day's a great day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you what. On Wednesdays, I go through these, like, I don't know what it's been the last couple months, but on Wednesdays, I just am, like, shitting my pants, crying. It, it's horrible. But yesterday was a turnaround because yesterday was an incredible Wednesday. So. Well, maybe if you know that that's kind of how Wednesdays go, then you start doing things like scheduling things like that to uh Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because I guess it's funny. If you are aware of something or a gremlin that's coming to attack you or you feel like that's possibly something that uh, you're convincing yourself is going to be negative before it even happens, which is pure madness in itself, then that's probably and what you're you going to get. You become a self-fulfilling prophecy, which I believe is what we all are anyways. Yeah. So We're just walking around fulfilling out all the beliefs that we hold on to all the time. <laughs> Believe that. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking there, Bree? Vodka. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish it was. Are you still? I wish it was champagne. But are you it's still not on a no drinking streak? Yeah, I got up on a big soapbox the other day. Someone was like, you know, and and pat yourself on the back by all means, but they're like, I'm doing whole thirty, and I'm going to document my entire journey of what I eat, and da 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 da. da. And I commented back and I said, I think I'm going to start calling my diet the whole 365. <laughs> I know. Why 30 days? I know. I'm like, one, I've been eating like that. So it's like no grains, no dairy, no sugar, no, yeah. you know, for at this, I'm going on three years of eating like that. Three years. Have you ever, like, I mean, it makes total sense. Cause when I see these diet people get so excited because they did 30 days and they just go back to the same thing of just pounding cakes up yeah. their ass or whatever it is. And I was thinking about this earlier this morning because I, I just like to try different types of diets, but right now I've never felt better as far as what my routine is. And it's like, I don't, when I wake up, I'm drinking a pretty large amount of water with like salt and electrolytes and I'm putting in uh, CBD oil and I'm also taking quite a bit of supplements, like just a lot of different mushrooms, chaga, reishi, uh, Stamets seven mix from, if anybody hasn't listened to the Paul Stamets, Joe Rogan episode, it's mind blowing, but I take a lot of his stuff for immunity support, um, free radical dis destruction, uh, matcha green teas and things like that. And then I really, I mean, it's just like a pure green veggie smoothie in the morning with just veg. I mean, it's like, you know, broccoli and kale and spinach and yeah. spirulina and wheatgrass and all of that. And I'm getting ready to transition to that, I think. So uh, when I'm moving to Minneapolis in like, I don't know, two weeks, um, I won't have okay. a kitchen. I'm going to have like a kitchenette. Is it like so, a, one of those like little um, echo, like tiny apartments or what? No, it's the third story of this couple's home. Oh, cool. Um, it's see. actually really beautiful. It's full Creative of light. Space. Yeah. It's like, it is beautiful. It's got a king size bed and like this beautiful bathtub, which clearly you learned yesterday. I'm a huge bath taker. And like, it's just <laughs> beautiful. It's in this old historic neighborhood, but they don't have, it doesn't have a kitchen. I can use their kitchen, but I don't want to be using their kitchen. So <laughs> I'm bringing like my crock pot. I feel my, <laughs> My, I'm going to bring my rice maker, but I don't eat rice. It'll be for quinoa. I'm going to bring my blender. And I think those are the only big kitchen gadgets I'm bringing. And I basically, if I can't crock pot it, if I can't blend it, if I can't like, yeah. like I can't eat it, 
And so I, I was thinking this morning, because I usually have quinoa porridge for breakfast. And I was like, well, that's going to stop. And so I was like, well, maybe I'll switch to chia because I could do chia in the morning. So yeah. I might switch to, switch to chia, but then also smoothies are going to be a really great option for me in the morning with the blender. So The energy level I've had has just been insane. The, the green, like Lindsay always bitches because she's like, it tastes bad. But like, I think if you get rid of those gremlins that are inside of you that crave the sugar and all of the shit that you think tastes good, eventually they die off and you're building up. Yep the amazing army of soldiers inside of you that crave the green stuff. Like when I drink it, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I love the way it tastes. It tastes healthy. And I didn't always think that before, you know, and even a handful of blueberries, like blueberries are super super good for you. Yeah. And so like for me, fruit is the only sugar I get. Yeah. That's it. Right. So I'll have a little bit of maple syrup, like the edibles I eat have maple syrup in them, and I'll I'll just have like a little bit of maple syrup sometimes, but that's the only sugar I've cons- I consume. You know, I was just in France, and as you know, and I went to go try to find some cigars, and I was in this like cigar shop. They have to unlock it to let you in, and I'm like, start looking, and it's they just put, <laughs> they just put pictures of like people's like open tumors like being like cut open on all the packaging so you can't even read about the cigar or like really see anything about it or smell it because you're looking at like a giant bloody tumor and this is what's gonna happen to you if you smoke i know and i was like i was standing in there like man i really want a cigar but like this is effective this is really grossing me out and just the, the sheer fact that i can't like look at the cigar and figure out if i want it or not was enough to deter me from buying it not that I really, I mean, I already knew going into it that, yeah, tobacco causes cancer, but I don't smoke chronically. I like cigars right. every once in a while. But I was thinking, like, you know what would happen if they did it with sugar in the United States? Like, People this is what sugar. <laughs> this is they what sugar does. Like, every single pack of candy has this picture of, of like, giant cancer cells and whatever it is that the every Starbucks? single. Can yeah. you imagine getting a Starbucks? Yeah. It's just, like, I mean, it would change everything, and it's it's fascinating uh, how so many people can look at diet and think, oh, I ate a salad for lunch, I'm good, but still just pound ice cream and sugar all the time and, and have completely, of course, been brainwashed because of the way that the food industry has worked, that sugar isn't that bad. But I don't know. I think there is an awakening now where people are starting to realize how just how bad it is for you. I mean, it's probably the well, worst thing you can put in your body. And it's in everything, which people don't get either. I went to buy turkey bacon the other day. They have special paleo turkey bacon that doesn't have sugar in it. And I'm like, why the fuck does <laughs> turkey bacon have sugar in it? Have sugar in, it? in the first like, place. <laughs> people don't understand. Or like you get a container of that Noosa yogurt. That yeah. Noosa yogurt has as much sugar in one serving as I eat in an entire week. Ugh. And that's just like a third of your breakfast, right? Like it's just people have no fucking clue. They have no clue at all. And then they don't understand things too. Like people say like, oh, I'm on the whole 30. Well, if you're still eating rice, potatoes and wheat, that converts into sugar in your body. Like I don't, I don't eat rice, potatoes, corn or wheat. Yeah. Glute. Yeah, it does. Your body reacts to it the same as anything else that is yeah. glucose. Yeah. I gave up sugar. I or I gave up sushi. Do you do I a no? So do you do like a no carbs 
thing too? Like, do you do low, like really low carbs, net carbs or anything? I don't track my carbs. I have no idea. Yeah. I'm just, I was but just interested. I'm assuming because I own, I mean, I really only eat like greens and meat. Yeah, it's pretty low. Um, I eat super, super, super high fat. It sounds so like eat, you do exactly what I do. <laughs> I eat a lot of coconut oil, a lot of olive oil, a lot of um, avocado, uh, uh, MCT avocado. oil. Yeah. The only cheat thing that I really do is I love cheese. <laughs> Everybody has to have something. I know. I'm like, if I've cut everything out of else out of my diet, like just fucking give me cheese. Like yeah, my I, I love rice and a lot of my meals are like a quinoa or lentils or a rice mixed with a lot of green veggies. That's oh, pretty much God. what I eat constantly. But I do sometimes eat, I, I don't eat a lot of potatoes, but I eat sweet potatoes sometimes. And they are very good for you, despite the fact that they do get converted. But I'm, I'm okay with some of these. I'm not going to get on myself for eating a natural thing like a sweet potato, as far as the sugar base goes, because I, I mean it's not. Mine is health related though, yeah. so like through my healing, I have had to do all this stuff. I have not had a choice. Can you elaborate on that? Um, I have had a yeast overgrowth. Really. Did you have a physical, did anything like physically happen to you? Cause I had a buddy that I, one of my best friends I lived with in college who he had that happen and his tongue like started, it like turned white and it was really freaky actually. And he had to give up all sorts of things, including like mushrooms and spores. And mine has mostly been internal. So mine is like all digestive. It's intestinal it's like i do get some stuff in my skin in fact this morning i have i've been emptying out my cupboards as i go to move and i have a fuck ton of sugar for whatever reason (laughs) i think i hosted like a spa day a while back and like we were making sugar scrubs and i just had leftover sugar i didn't realize how much leftover sugar i had so i was like oh well i'll just add coconut oil to it and just make it into a scrub and so i this morning used it on my legs so that i can shave my legs tomorrow and I itched so fucking bad when I got out really? of the shower this morning. Uh-huh. And like, I can't even put sugar topically on my <laughs> skin because, and I've always had itchy skin. In fact, um, I thought it was celiac for a long, long time, which I do have. But I think that the itchiness is actually more related to the yeast than <laughs> anything. I know. I, it's tough. I I was laughing because... Not, I wasn't laughing at you. I was, you talked about body scrubbing. I was thinking Lindsay got a gift for Christmas and she told me it was coconut oil and it was on the counter. And so I was like <laughs> scooping it out and putting it, I made like popcorn one night and I was like scooping it in there and, um, to, to cook it like so that it pops. Cause I don't, I don't use the microwave or anything like that. And and I sat down and started eating. I was like, this is really, really salty. And I didn't put any salt on it. And I was like, I don't know. And I like, kept eating it. And I was like, it was the saltiest thing I've ever had. And then I went back and looked at it. And it was like this like sea salt oil body scrub. <laughs> like that's it didn't funny. say it all right on the package, but that's what it was. When I looked at the brand, I was like, oh, my God. And I ate and I ate it. She had been using it as like, you know, to, to lube up the pan for like a week. <laughs> it was just like you know as a coconut oil and like i was like how did you not notice how salty this was but luckily it was just a mass amount of salt and oil so it wasn't anything harmful but well and most of those things even if they have um 
essential oils and stuff in them. Most of them are food grade, so you can eat them anyways. Yeah. I love essential oils. I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bree, I introduced you already before you came on. I'm really okay. pumped that you're here. I've been recording the whole time, but I'm keeping it because the conversation say, was great. I love the gonna, free flow. Are we going to put all this on the uh, on the interwebs? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Unless you have I, something we, else to say. But I mean, I don't usually talk about my diet, but I don't. It, that's not bad. I don't care. I just. I, I know you don't care, Bree. I'm an open book. What the people that I'm renting from in Minneapolis, I told them, I was like, I said, look me up on the internet. I said, I have no secrets. Everything's, everything's online. Go listen to my podcast. I'm like, there's, that's why crying on the internet. Yeah. I don't, uh, there's it, no, no secrets. It's why I respect you so much. It's why I like you so much. And why obviously I like to have a lot of conversations with you. And one thing I've noticed is that when you do this and, and I do it too, like I say what I'm thinking, I don't hold back. I'm completely honest. And you know, what happens like you have a tribe that likes your vibe, but then you also get these people who just fucking attack and they call you oh, names yeah. and they try oh, to bring yeah. you down. And I've seen it happen to you and I've seen mm -hmm. you respond. And I think it's a very important thing to talk about because I look at it like occasionally I, I try to teach, do not let small things bother you. How do you overcome? Like when somebody's yelling at me outside or like my dog, I'm trail running my dogs off the leash because she listens to me and she stays next to me and some dude's freaking out. Like, yeah, you can't have your fucking dog off the leash, man. Put the, you're, uh, I'm just like about to have a heart attack. Like I don't let that stuff get to me. And I, and I really teach people like, don't do that. But sometimes people need fucking wedgies. You know what I mean? Like, and there is a little bit of retaliation there, I think. And, well, and it's easy to, to have that attitude towards some fucking crazy stranger on the street where you're like, dude, bye. Yeah. When it, a lot of it comes up with people that are really close to us. And it's harder. And it's way harder. Way harder. Welcome to my 2017. <laughs> <laughs> like, so hard. It's what, so hard. What was, can you give me an example of something that you had to deal with? Are you comfortable with that? Um that was close to you and how you were able to accept it because I've, you know, I've had to let good friends out of my life before strictly because they just weren't in alignment with what I was doing and they didn't get it. And it sometimes does come down to people calling you names or making fun of you. And it's like, what's, what's more important, you know, your, your aspirations, your dreams, your visions, or what somebody else thinks. And it's not easy, you know, people, People can look at an entrepreneur or an author or anything like I know you have been through shit. Like, I know you have been through some hard shit and I have too, especially 2017 for me was like brutal. And I've talked to you like even off air and we've had problems um, to deal with and to cope with. And it's just not easy. Like you can't look at this lifestyle and say you guys are living the easiest, most amazing celebratory life ever. No, but we fucking celebrate anyways. Right. And we make it happy. Anyways, we are able to overcome that. So I'm curious if you had any specific examples. I do. 2017, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last year, I decided to up my game. Um, 2015 was the first year of my coaching business, and it was not great, right? Like, it was my first year in business. I didn't make a whole lot of money. The year after that, I, like five or six times my income. 
And then I went to Bali. And in Bali, I had an invitation to really, truly up my game even more than before. And I was invited to take into consideration my ability to basically build a seven-figure business. And I got back to the States and I kind of sat with it for a while internally um, and decided that that was something that I wanted to say yes to. And so I decided to say yes to it. And in doing that, one of the things I firmly believe in is sharing your goals with the world. A lot of people get really scared about that because they're like, well, what if I don't, what if it doesn't happen, right? Then I'll be a failure. My answer is, well, it kind of gives you a little bit of accountability, right? Like if the world is watching you and you're like, I'm going to build this seven figure business, you've, you've skin in the game. You, you don't definitely do. get to turn around the next day and be like, just kidding. <laughs> so I decided in March of last year to share this with the world. And I did a Facebook video, a Facebook live where I had like written myself a million dollar check and just like put it out there that I'm like, I am going to become a seven figure business owner. Like this is a thing that's happening. And one, I got a lot of private messages about people that were like, who do you think you are? Da, da, da. But again, <laughs> they were people that like didn't really matter that much. And I was like, cool, you know, that's your shit, you know, have at it. Then I got a phone call out of the blue from a, a very, a person that was very, very, very close to me. And gave me some feedback that I was a narcissist. Oh no. And that I purposefully went out of my way to say things to people to make them feel like shit so that I could bolster my own ego and my own sense of self. Wow. Just, and whoever that was doesn't get it. So my instinct and, and, you know, I was driving when this whole conversation went down and, and I kind of sat with it. Like, you know how when someone says something to you and you get all like, no, fuck you actually like, rah, and you get all like riled up and you get triggered by it and you get yeah. like really emotional about it. I was sitting there listening to this whole conversation being like, interesting. This is so interesting. Like, where is this coming from and how is this coming up? And I, I, I had no like I didn't trigger me in any way, shape or form. And so towards the end, she was this, this person was like, you know, how is this landing with you? And I said, to be honest, it doesn't feel like truth to me. Like if I check in with every le like part of my body and my soul and my heart, and like, if I check in with myself, this doesn't feel like it exists within me in any way. I said, and, and to be honest, I don't feel like this it's about me that this has anything to do with me. And um, that effectively ended our friendship. And, um, you know, it wasn't what I would have chosen, but what I realized, and, and I did a lot of work around this. So it wasn't like I was just like, fuck you, this isn't about me, right? I went to yeah. my Reiki healer. I went to, you know, my guides. I went to... I went to people around me and said, okay, why is this experience coming into my life? What is in this for me? Because if I attracted this conversation, if I attracted this person, this experience into my life, there has to be a reason for it. And while that reason might not be that I'm a narcissist, 
there's clearly something here for me to learn. And what is that? And so I sat with this for a good six or eight months and like really sat with it and was like, why did I attract this into my life? Now on the back end, of course, I had a lot of healing to do around like having someone really close to you say something like that. It hurt first off that someone that was that close to me would even think that about me or be able to see something like that within me. And then I, you know, you start doubting yourself about like, who am I attracting into my life? If I'm attracting people that see me as this terrible monster, like, can I trust myself enough to be attracting the people that really truly have, you know, my best interest at heart the way that I have theirs at heart. And it, it became, you know, it becomes a whole rabbit hole, right? And there were, there were, you know, days and weeks of me being in meditation, just crying of like, how did I bring this into my world? Why is this coming up? What do I have to learn from this? And I did for a minute get sucked into like, oh my God, am I? Am I? What if I am? I actually, he (laughs) went online and took a bunch of those personality tests. (laughs) Am I a narcissist? No, I literally did this because I was like, am I? Well, you start questioning yourself. I was going to ask you because if, you know, you do, you said Reiki and do a lot of meditation. It takes a lot of contemplation. For me, when I go through something like that, people don't understand how many hours of just closed eyes, thought, binarial, anything that I can do. I'm really processing this for a long time. But I was wondering before you had that power, which is one of the, the most incredible things that you can do for personal optimization is implementing those types of things in your life. You were, there was a time where you didn't have all those things in line. If this would have happened then, how do you think you would have allowed, how do you think you would have reacted to that? Do you think it would have crippled you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you're constant, when you're not in touch with the internal stuff and you're just constantly responding to what's coming at you outside, the things that are coming at you from the outside, everything that comes at you feels like truth, regardless of whether or not it is truth. And you're so focused externally that you allow everything that comes to you outside of you to be your defining reality. For me, my internal reality is so much more, more strong, so much stronger. <laughs> Pardon my English for I'm, a hot second. Hey, my vocabulary is terrible. So. It's still kind of early here. Um, You know, I'm able to, I guess, step into and really feel into like, is this my truth? Like, is this mine? Is it actually mine? Or is this not mine? Is this someone else's? Just, we had that call yesterday with Nikki where she was talking about how, you know, we pick up other people's energy and we take on. And I, one of the things that actually really came through this for me was, you know, I was, my dad was an alcoholic when I was growing up. He self-medicated, uh, had some numerous mental health issues, all sorts of stuff. And I didn't realize how codependent I was because I didn't get primarily raised by him. And I didn't realize the, um, I, I like somehow stumbled onto like children of alcoholics, like a website. And I was like reading through it. And I didn't spend that much time with him growing up. So I never thought it affected me, but I was reading through this list being like, holy shit, I do 
all of those things. Weird. Yeah. All of those things. And so one of the things I realized from this relationship dissolving was how codependent I was, how willing I was to put my needs second to make someone else happy in a relationship. And what I decided in the moments when I was in that deep inquisition internally was that I wasn't willing to do that anymore. I wasn't willing to allow someone else to dictate who I am in the world. And I wasn't, I'm not willing to compromise my values and my integrity to make someone else comfortable. This is something that happens on the tiniest levels and the highest levels. This is obviously a big example of it, but we get pestered every single day. I mean, if growing up as children, you're getting all of the influences from around you. It doesn't matter if it's classmates. It doesn't matter if it's teachers. It doesn't matter if it's parents, billboards, advertisements, everything like that comes in and influences. And it's pretty scary how that can mold you to become the person that you are without you even realizing it. Like you didn't even realize that until you looked up all the symptoms of, of being, uh, you know, the daughter of an alcoholic or whatever, the, the list was that you had mentioned. Well, and it's, it is amazing those little things, because once I realized that I realized all the things that I would do to make this other person happy and comfortable with me, little things like when I would say our names together, I always had to put my name second because yeah. if I put my name first, there would have to be a big conversation around it. And so I, I literally throughout the relationship and I looked back on all these things and I was like, I spent our entire relationship putting myself second to make this other person more comfortable with me in the world. And I diminished my power. I diminished my success. I diminished everything about who I was in the world for the sake of this relationship. And then it started getting me to realize how I'd done that in romantic relationships in the past and all these things. And it was, it was, uh, it was hard to look at because I knew, I literally knew when we had that conversation when I was in my car that if I didn't take a hundred percent responsibility for this and make this my problem, I knew in that moment that our friendship would end. Yeah. And that part is super hard because I, you don't want to lose someone that you love. You never want to lose someone that you love. And what I've come to realize is that I love myself so much. I'm willing to do what it takes to keep myself safe and like really protect myself from things and people that are not of my highest. Now that you're over that, I mean, not over the, the situation, but now that you're over the hump of understanding how much you need to love yourself, do you have any practices in place or uh, routines? I'm, you know, I'm a mind strength freak. Um, and I depend on that mental strength to get me through the adverse situations and all the resistance gremlins that want to shove their cactuses in my ass. And I don't want those little prickles going through my body. I want to be able to overcome them and stop them before they even get in, whether it's through your ass or any other orifice of your body. Um, what do you do? We do don't, you... we don't discriminate on the orifices. <laughs> I know, I know Reiki and in meditation we had mentioned earlier how like yesterday i thought it was very fascinating that during that call you had an overwhelming feeling to go get in the bathtub right and before the call for me i actually had this overwhelming feeling that i needed to do some sort of phoenix meditation and so i laid down on the ground and i did this crazy it's a very the, med the specific meditation is 
is a breath work meditation. So you're, you know, you're doing the, and you do that for 30 minutes. Like, of course your, your whole body goes limp, you know, like you feel the tingles, you, you crample up and excess oxygen and you just uncontrollable things happen to you. Like I was laughing like crazy and it just felt weird. I couldn't, you can't move your limbs and things like that. Um, but I find all those little practices, the more you build a, like almost like an arsenal of weapons on your side to protect yourself and your love and your identity. Like you cannot give love to the world if you don't love yourself. I'm very much behind that. I really think that's true. Um, and I was just curious if there was anything else, anything that maybe you don't think is obvious that other people might do. Um, I mean, I literally have so many, I have a team of people around me that I call on at a moment's notice. So like I said, I actually have Reiki people in like three different areas. I really? have a woman that I do resonance repatterning with. Actually, I have two women that I do resonance repatterning with. What is I, resonance repatterning? So resonance repatterning is all based on muscle testing. And so like I went to the my woman in New York when I was there in March and she has like, it starts out with this wheel and there's eight different areas and you just muscle test. Like what area are we focusing on today? based on this thing. And then you basically go down this rabbit hole. There's a million different outcomes for this thing. So of those eight, then each of those eight lead to like, you know, another 10 and each of those 10 leads to like another. And you just essentially follow the muscle testing to where it leads you. And it gets down to the root, the heart of whatever the, the really? issue is. How does I'm, the muscle testing like work? Is it, do you like hooked up to something or? No, like muscle testing, or... muscle testing is a, is a reflex. Some people do it, um, like I've done it before, you hold your arm out and essentially any disruption in your energetic field causes your muscles to weaken. And so if there's a statement, if there's a food, if there's uh, an emotion, huh. if there's anything that's just not resonating with your physical body, your muscles will go weak. I think that's like the kind of kindergarten, you know, explanation of it. But um so I have two resonance repatterning people. I have a clairvoyant that I see. I have uh, my massage therapist also does cranial sacral and Reiki. I mean, I have an arsenal of people around me that I can call on at a moment's notice if I'm feeling off about anything. Then personally, internally, like the month of February, I actually was going through some really deep shit. You and I talked that month and um, you saw it. I was like, losing my shit and uh yeah. but i knew in that month that i needed to turn inwards and use my own tools and not call on other people to like help me fix it and so that month i actually didn't call on anyone i just went inward and i have like tarot decks and oracle decks that i use i take a lot of baths i use my burned sage every day i use crystals I journal. Um, journaling has been a huge thing for me this year. I write every day. Um, I use hypnotherapy. I love, love, love hypnotherapy. Um, in fact, I just started a new round of hypnosis this morning. Is that you can do um, that by yourself? I got certified to do it. So oh, yeah, cool. I do it on other people, and then now I can do it on myself. So can if you I'm elaborate looking, on that a little bit too? Because this is, just I'm, interests me. Yeah. If I'm looking at something big within myself, I will actually get a practitioner to support me with it. If it's something little, like what I'm healing right now is some um, health stuff, um, then I do it by myself. But 
hypnotherapy basically accesses your subconscious. And so everything that we are playing out in our, in our lives is a result of a belief or a thought pattern that we have. So every habit of action that you have is caused by a habit of thought. So if you have, if you developed a belief when you were young about something and that belief got stored in your subconscious as fact, then no matter what happens in your life, that it's like, it's like a computer hard drive, right? Like if you store a program into your computer hard drive, that's what operates the machine. Well, if you have a belief stored in your subconscious, that's what's operating your machine. And so no matter how much you consciously try to change it, it's still running in the background. It's processing in the background. So things like I, I, one of mine, I had this memory of the day I was born and I could, my mom was holding me and she went to give me to my dad and my dad put his hands up like this and didn't, didn't hold me and didn't take wow. me from my mom. And so things like that start telling you like, oh, maybe, you know, my dad obviously doesn't love me. If he doesn't want to hold me, he doesn't love me. Or I had a memory of being like six or seven. My mom came to pick me up at my dad's house. And I couldn't hear the exact words that they were saying, but in my little brain as a kid, all I kept hearing was, I don't want her. And I'm sure they were having some sort of discussion about like switching weekends or moving around the schedule or something like that. But as a kid, what I processed that was, I don't want her. My dad doesn't want me. He doesn't want to hold me. He doesn't want me right. on the weekends. My dad doesn't want me. And no matter how much I know that my dad loved me, the best that he could with the tools that he had consciously, subconsciously, my programming has been, I'm not lovable. It's amazing the things that you couldn't remember if you tried to think about it as an adult, yeah. but you actually do retain. And if anybody out there has not done like Reiki, th these are all different methods that can get in there and clean those files out for you. And they all do it in a different way. I mean, even you get into some of the psychedelic side of it, ayahuasca is a huge one for relieving and healing this type of problem. But I was one time I went to Reiki and I had this just horrible, like, you know, how you were talking about that pain you have right here yesterday. Oh, I still have it. Yeah. It's still I had there. that same thing so bad for months at a time. And I was, and I, I just by chances, the world put her there. I don't know. I, there was this random uh, woman who lived in Walla Walla who did Reiki and, and I'd never done it before. I was like, I guess I'll try. I don't know what it is. And she started doing it. It was, it was magical. But then she starts, you know, she feels what comes through. And then she was able to channel what those emotions were to me. And she'd ask me questions. And, and she got one. It was like, did you ever, like, were you ever involved in a giant, you know, fire at some point that really scared you? And, like, and I was just thinking, like, no. And then I started thinking about it more. And I was like, you know what? Actually, when I was a little kid, we accidentally set this gigantic yard on fire. I mean, massive fire. And I thought it was going to burn down all these houses that were close and cause it was all hay and it was just spreading like, like crazy. And it scared the hell out of me. And although I never really thought about it a couple weeks after it happened, I must've stored something inside of me because that's what she released. And that's what she, she's telling me this stuff. And it's just crazy because you're like, how, how does that channel and how does it work? And that was the first time I realized that I was probably holding a lot of emotional, uh, trauma or baggage or things like you're talking about where dad doesn't want to hold you. It, it really is, it gets stuck in there. And 
hypnotherapy. I, yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And it's amazing too. like, as I'm taking people into the experience, you know, I say things like your subconscious knows exactly what it's doing. We're going to go back and we're going to visit three scenes from your past. And, you know, your subconscious knows exactly which scenes are tied to this issue that you're experiencing. And, you know, I count people back and I'm like, okay, are you inside or outside? Well, I'm inside. Is it daytime or nighttime? It's daytime. How old are you? I'm 10. Like, it's amazing how quickly, like, the information just comes and people just get taken right back to the scene. And, like, it's so fucking cool, Heath. I experienced it twice and I was like, I have got to be able to do this for my clients because if I'm only addressing my client's conscious mind, I'm literally, like doing them a disservice. I am actually preventing them from doing the things they want in the world because I'm not accessing the programs that are really truly running the show. And it's unbelievable. I did a hypnosis with a client on Monday and just like bananas, mind blowing stuff that came up like literally from the day she was born. (laughs) That's still playing out in her life 45 years later. I shit you not, this stuff is so unbelievable. It is so crazy. And I think people just don't understand the power that our subconscious minds have. You know, I was, I've been reading this incredible book and it's called uh, Ayahuasca in My Blood. And it's by Peter Gorman. But one thing that all of the stories are just unbelievably, they, they blow my mind, every single one of them. But I believe them all because you can't read this book and not believe it the way that it's set up. It's like this had to have happened in that experience for him. And there was all these, he was down in the jungles for many years, way before, you know, white gringos were down there doing ayahuasca as a vacation or a trendy thing that's happened now. And lots of life on the line type situations being in the jungle and pirates and, and things like that. And one of the things I've learned is that sickness, um, just like emotional trauma that's stored in your body, but like physical illness, sickness is actually an entity and it lives whether it's in you or not. And so when you, and of course people can say that sounds crazy, that's ridiculous, but this is something that I'm actually really interested in at this point because it makes sense to me. Um, If you get rid of a sickness, it has to go somewhere, right? It was birthed into this world just like you were. If you're gone, you have to go somewhere. If, if you get rid of a sickness, it has to go somewhere, whether you can see it with your senses or not. And a lot of these shamans that were teaching it were saying that people who do healing, acupuncture, uh, doctors, they spend their entire life curing people of sicknesses, but they're actually absorbing um, a type of that entity into themselves. And if they don't get rid of it through these other types of processes, it can actually cause them massive harm down the road. And so some of the shamans would, they, you know, when they're doing the ayahuasca ceremonies, they can really see a sickness and suck it out with their breath, but then they're putting it somewhere and folding it up so that it can't be on the ground. Because if somebody else walks over that spot, it can get in their body and then it doesn't become the same sickness. It becomes some other type of sickness based on the person that it enters. And the only reason I got really interested was because yesterday I talked about how I went through that graveyard in Alaska. And I felt something come, like I felt something weird. And then literally for six months, I could not, I never thought I was going to feel normal again. My ears were ringing. I couldn't talk to people. It was just, it was an unbelievable experience that I, I hope I never have to deal with again, but something was in me and I was able to get it out 
through this type of process of uh, really deep breathwork meditation. And the same thing happened in Nicaragua with the breathwork. Um, being able to rewire my brain like you were talking about earlier, um, I didn't eat spicy food before, and then all of a sudden I was I'm, now I'm eating the spiciest food ever. That doesn't make any sense to me other than I reshifted something that was stored in my brain, which would be like one of these files that we have that you're talking about clearing out. Uh, so it's just it's insanely fascinating to me, the whole thing. It's just way beyond what I would have ever believed in my past, but now I just want to learn <laughs> learn as much as possible. So, Yeah, uh, I love all the stuff that's coming to the surface about consciousness and about just how things work and like our brains and everything. It's just, I think we're at a really cool point in history where we have access to being human, like, well, being like souls in human bodies in a way that has never been experienced before. And like lots of things, like I know personally, I've been doing a lot of work about healing lineage stuff. So things that happened like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, um, there was something that came up in one of my readings, I think it was last month or the month before. And uh, sh she said something, it was something about like mean girls and whatever. And, and we got to talking and I said, well, my family came over with Columbus on the Mayflower um, but, and we were servants. And she started looking back further than that. And she's like, oh my God, this lineage of your family goes back actually to the Vikings huh. of you guys being like servants and, and not stepping into this greatness, not stepping into your ability to be, you know, wealthy and, and powerful and like all these things in the world. And it was really fascinating. And, um, I know I've been doing a lot of healing work, not just for myself, but for my lineage as well. Um, I'm, my mom's been very tapped into looking back to our, she's traced our entire history back to the Mayflower. And uh, it's just, it's really cool to start, when you start unearthing these things, like how much of who we are today also has so much other energy behind it. It's not just about our existence or our parents' existence or our grandparents' yeah, existence. It goes way it back. Goes, like so far back. And like, just even the idea of healing stuff that happened thousands and thousands of years ago, it's still a little crazy, right? Yeah. But like, we're doing it. Well, and the fact that you can clean those kinks today and change everything in the future, right? For the people, you can clear those emotional aspects that maybe would make them make a particular decision that crippled them or had them, you know, bow down as opposed to reach their higher potential just by these actions that you're taking today which is part of life. That's the beauty in what we're doing, right? Making magic all the mm -hmm. time. And I wanted to, what did you just say? You said something really interesting a second ago. Oh, so the lineage thing, how do you, how did your mom track this? This has always been interesting to me. All I know is that, you know, like Stonewall Jackson was like my great, great grandfather or something. Um, <laughs> I think my mom mainly used like ancestry.com yeah. or something. I don't know. To be honest, I, if my mom's listening to this, love you, mom. Love you so much. I've never cared. Like I have literally, <laughs> she tells me all these things and I'm like, cool, mom. Cool. I'm yeah. glad that this, uh, you know, excites you, but like, meh, I just have no, the only thing that is, that has ever excited me about it. Like, and, and to be fair, my mom's found some really fucking cool shit. Like she found, um, a journal from one of our ancestors who was in the civil war. And really? he actually, 
enrolled in the Civil War twice, and she has one of his journals where he talks about, like, I think it's, was it, who, was it General, no, General Lee, or I don't remember, uh, one of the big, he, like, he talks about meeting him in there, and, like, how You see how that all comes around again. Like, I, just, I just said Stonewall Jackson was, like, my great, great, great grandfather, and he was right hand to General Lee, and now you've got a journal connected to General Lee. Like, it's just crazy <laughs> shit. So my mom has found some really cool things. Um, but Wait, Confederate think, motherfuckers. Woo! Well, I don't think it was Lee then because we were on the north. We've always been, we come from like the Pacific Northwest, or not the Pacific Northwest, the Northeast, the like Boston area and like that area. Um, and my family's from D.C. But Yeah, all of I mean, that it was Virginia was a big, that was the swing state though. So he yeah. was he was close up there. It was just, he was in Virginia. Yeah. So one of the coolest things was my mom called me up one day and, and was telling me about this ancestor of ours who used to go into a trance and channel sacred geometry. So I don't know if you can see this. Ooh, sacred geometry. That's a topic I want to talk about. That so is, that's my beautiful. like great, my great, my grandfather's aunt or something like, so what does that make her? My great aunt or I don't even I don't understand how these things work so she used to go <laughs> into a trance and like look at this one this one's my favorite what what so what is this image that you're showing so she used to they're colored pencil drawings so she used to go into a trance and she would cut she would come out of the trance and she would have made these things and these are her actual artwork oh connecting to the source again that's and they're a, look, all like colored pencil. Sacred oh geometry is the coolest thing ever because, I mean, obviously behind me there's some sacred geometry, but even if you look at all of these these ayahuasca accounts, like they come out with this exact same thing. They say that this is what is you you go into the dimension where you can actually view and interact with sacred geometry. Everything turns into and pulls out of right right in front of your eyes. The equations and the codes they work into sacred geometry. That's cool. Keep keep telling me about it. So she just used to like go into trance and just get her colored pencils. And my grandfather remembers her like playing with colored pencils all the time. Whoa. And all the back of each and every one of them would say like inspirationally received. And I have literally never cared about anything about, you know, our ancestry or whatever until my mom started telling me about this stuff. And I was like, holy shit. I want to know like, I just made a list the other day of all the travel destinations and I want to go to this woman's grave. And like, I don't care about this shit, but there's something about her. I actually want to take one of them and use it as an inspiration for my next tattoo. Like oh. there, there's just something about it that's so fascinating to me. And knowing that like it was my, I think, great aunt or great, great aunt or something, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know, I don't get it either. <laughs> Uh, one of my ancestors in, and this was in like the twenties or thirties. And she used to be a member of the, um, spiritual, spiritual and ethical society of New York, which by the way, like doesn't exist anywhere. Like I have looked, if anyone knows anything, if anyone listening to this knows anything about the spiritual and ethical society of New York, please, 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 please contact me. Like one, I want to be a member today and I'm moving to New York. So that'll be really easy. And two, like, I just want to know more about this because clearly this stuff, this sacred geometry and all of this, these things we're talking about have been around forever. They just haven't been mainstream. In fact, I think that that aunt got hospitalized at some point um, in a mental institution because people thought she was crazy. She, of course. The, 
the person that she channeled when she tapped into this was a Scottish architect. And she like knew his name and Whoa. everything. It was just crazy, so crazy, but it fascinates me. And like, I want to learn how to do more of this stuff. I'm actually doing an intuitive development class in a few weeks. I am, um, again, sorry, mom, for, well, my mom already knows this, but I'm sorry that I'm admitting this publicly. I have started experimenting with edibles oh, to yeah. like see if I can just get out of my way long enough to be clapped, more tapped in to source and like, really get messages and like receive information and the problem becomes though i take a half an edible and then i just end up falling asleep because that's like <laughs> you got to get to sativa strain <laughs> do you know, know what you're I looking get. for don't yeah, all, so all edibles are uh are um hybrids but not well get the tincture then i've actually bought sativa non-hybrid edibles yeah yeah this is there's a harder to find but in oregon and Washington is pretty easy, but if I take indica, I am paranoid and sleeping, and I hate it. But if I take sativa at a low dose, it's like very creative and open and alert. Not so paranoid. I just like I just go I go into meditation, but then if I don't get to my meditation chair, then I just fall asleep. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like when I used to drink wine. I would have one glass of wine, I'd just pass out. <laughs> How amazing is it not drinking, Bree? I feel so much better. Like I've thought back to some of the mornings where like, cause I got to a point part of one, the reason I stopped drinking was health related, but then I kept drinking a little bit, even though I knew that it was not <laughs> yeah, good of for course. me. <laughs> and I would have a one glass of wine and I would wake up the next morning feeling like I had been pummeled the <laughs> night before and like one glass of wine, right? Like one. I remember back in college, I used to be able to, oh my God, I used to drink, drink like three wine. boxes. You playing like slap the bag. One time, I'm not kidding. I mean, remember Tennessee, people actually did butt chug. Like they would put the funnel in their ass, fill it up with beer and, and like Jaeger mixed with the beer and chug it through their ass to bypass their liver. And that actually happened. That was something that really happened wow. in Tennessee. We um, did crazy shit in North Dakota, but we never did that. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and even like you can, you can look at rumors online and things like that, but girls were put, they would soak their tampons in vodka. I mean, it was the craziest shit ever to just get, it, it's horrifying when I look back on it, like, oh my God. But I look back and I'm thinking like, I, I could have easily, and I was drilling like, you know, handles every two days and. Now, if I drink one glass of wine, I would wake up feeling like complete asshole. And I yeah. just, I feel like, like, so I had a couple glasses of wine when I was in France just because I had As to. As one does. When yeah. I go back to Italy next time, <laughs> I will be drinking wine. And just because I had to. But before I did 70 days of pure no drinking and I've continued that since I've been back. Um, and it's just my energy, my cl mental clarity everything is so much easier. It's so much easier and I'm just happier. It's just, it's, it's kind of crazy that it, you know, took me 32 years to figure that out. Not that I don't love craft beer and I, I love wine. It's just that I love champagne. Really? I can't my, do it because it fucks my esophagus up. Oh, my, my middle ground is that I've just started drinking bubbly water. So I have a soda stream and I just drink bubbly water all the time. That's my, I've, I've been, I've been attempting to drink non-alcoholic beer every once in a while <laughs> and it's just, it's not, it doesn't work that well. No, but yeah, no, I do feel much, much better. I mean, one on a health level, 
my body is like so much happier, so much happier. My, the day of my book launch, I went out and had like three glasses of champagne. I was legit on the couch for three days afterwards. Like I was <laughs> between my couch and my bathroom. Like I was so sick off of three glasses of champagne. And personally, I just don't have three days to give up in my life right now. I just yeah. don't. Yeah, I feel you. I'm here to serve the world and I can't be selfish enough to like just be laid out because I wanted to go out and have some drinks. It fucks up flow. Yeah. I mean, it really fucks up flow. It took me forever to figure that out because I would just be productive while drinking sometimes and I felt like I was doing some things. But when I really look back, I'm like, how much more could I have gotten done? Um, but I, I don't regret anything I've ever done. And I'm glad that it's turned into what it is right now. And yeah, I will drink and taste wine around the world and still have craft beer every once in a while. But I've learned like there is no, you know, there's no one gear. Like when I had Jared and Gaz on, he talked a lot about he, he, he'd almost died a few times. He'd just go on like four or five day benders, blackout. And he's also, I think he's like eight or nine years sober now with no alcohol. And the things that he has accomplished are, are insane too. And it's just, I don't know. It's all, uh, there is definitely some highly functional alcoholics, but for me, I just, from a mental strength and clarity point, I, I, I thought it was cool that you were doing the same thing. And I was just wondering how, how much better you felt because of I it. feel like it's, you know, I would take three steps forward and then by drinking, it would almost always be that like one step back. Well, you know, it puts your and body then, into like a pre-diabetic state. Like that's exactly what it does to you when you drink. Yeah. It's like if you were if you were pre-diabetic and what you have to feel like and deal with when you're hungover, that's what your body's doing, shutting down into that state. Hmm. And it's pretty crazy. Yeah, three steps forward, six steps back. <laughs> Face down, pants down. Yeah, I just for me, I can't I have so much to accomplish in this lifetime that I just I, I take it very seriously and I like can't fuck around. I just don't, I have a ton of fun and I really enjoy my life, but like drinking is just something that takes me, like it just doesn't allow me to soar. Right. And as we talked about yesterday with my, my, my issues going on in my scapular region, I'm spreading my wings real big right now. And if, if there's anything that's keeping me from flying, I love myself enough to be like, bye. Fly like an eagle into the sea. Yeah. I should put together a whole flying Fly playlist. Fly like an eagle. <laughs> yeah, it was just ridiculous. You listen to R. Kelly all day long. And I, I wanted to get back to the sacred geometry thing a little bit because I think it was fascinating. One, how you're talking about the channeling from your great auntie um, with the Scottish architect, and as specifically because you were in the call with me yesterday when Nikki Kirk came into the Gremlin Smashers group and did a live language of light transmission, which was the first, it was the second time I've seen her do it, but it's still brand new to me. Was that the first time you've ever seen that? Yeah. And that is just another method for channeling these weird energies from other worlds or however you want to call it. Like if, whether it's sacred geometry or clearing out your emotions and your clutter or your kinks or your lineage, all of this is very much, it's all more connected than we would think that that our our senses allow us to believe or think, right? Yeah. And it's it's fascinating to explore. And I urge everybody out there to just explore, curi be curious, and explore these weird things. Don't judge them. 
but actually look at them and, and feel them for what they are and then see if there's any way that it can add some sort of sort of healing to your life. And Nikki, if you guys, are, if you have a sweet ass journal and you're in the Gremlin Smashers group, we do these live Q and A's. And so she came into that and I felt weird. I felt weird, Bree. Like she, she sent me some videos afterwards too of her friends that she had talked about that are doing this. And like, there's multiple for everybody listening. There's like multiple spirits that are coming through and she's channeling that frequency through her voice. And it can sound like tongues. It can sound like, I mean, it, it sounds really scary at first. It can be uncomfortable when you close your eyes and get into it. It's very, very fascinating. And the guys that she sent me the video of, I'll have to share it with you and I'll put it in the show notes too for anybody, but it's, it's a Facebook post, but I think it's public. This dude's voice was incredible. He was like on this high pitch, just there, there's somebody doing sound baths, but, and then he's singing. And then all of a sudden it like drops down to this crazy, like low level. And he's singing a completely different voice. And you can tell it's a different entity coming through and it's fucking weird, but so beautiful at the same time. And I don't know, this kind of stuff is just pumping me up. If you guys can't tell. I, um, I had, I got set up on a date last fall and I knew that he wasn't my person, like before I even said yes to the date before I went out with him. But there was something that like, there was something within me that was like, he may not be your person, but you have got to go and meet him. Like you have to go out with this guy. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we're on this date at this restaurant in Beverly Hills and he shows up and I'm like, yep, so not my guy. Like, <laughs> got it. But I was wearing a ring that was sacred geometry that I got in Bali. And we're having dinner and he looks at me and he goes, what is that? And I said, oh, it's sacred geometry. And I kind of like, he's like a construction guy. So I kind of like brush it off and I'm yeah. like, you know, oh, that's cute. Like, you know, you, you think you want to know what sacred geometry is like, huh? <laughs> and uh, he looks at me and he goes, I know what sacred geometry is. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I don't usually like lead with this, but he's like, I have psychic abilities and like I like all of this stuff started coming out and we started having this amazing <laughs> conversation and since he's become a friend and we were chatting one day and he was like where did that book come from again that you wrote like what was the impetus behind that and then it was so funny he literally looked like we were he was looking at me all of a sudden he started looking up here and he goes and he pointed at me and he goes oh right that that aunt of yours that, oh that, my god <laughs> like your book came from her and i was like because i i did Are you talk about permission to leap permission to yeah. leap. yeah i channeled most of my book most of that book came to me through meditation through being in a yeah. like a meditative state basically Whoa. and it was it was crazy because i had shown him some of my some of the um mandalas that i just showed you and like i my um my feng shui woman took one of the mandalas and energetically imprinted it into the grid of my home and like all sorts oh. of crazy stuff but like it was really neat that he was like oh yeah that book like it it, it was from your aunt like she's the one that helped <laughs> you write it and i was like <laughs> how cool just crazy stuff so crazy. It, i get people that don't believe in magic I asked this to Jules when she was on the show because I think it's an interesting approach. I, I feel for people who don't believe in magic because I've been that person. But if you could tell anybody, if you could give them any point of advice, because obviously listening to the show should be enough to, to, to turn anybody's head. But 
for somebody who doesn't believe in magic, what do you think you would say to them to try to convince them? I don't know. Like I, I always say it's not like, it's not really my job to convince them, but my invitation would be to start looking for there's magic around you every single day, every day. The universe is literally like trying to talk to you and trying to communicate with you and trying to like show you what's available to you every single day. And most of us are just so fucking blind to it that we don't, we don't see it. Like I do not believe in coincidences. I do not believe in accidents, any of that stuff. Like anything that comes into my life is absolutely divinely perfect. So for example, Sunday on Sunday. So I'm getting ready to leave LA. I'm, I'm keeping my apartment. I'm going to be going back and forth for a few months, but I'm starting to box up some of the things I'm not going to need between my journeys over the next four months and starting to like, just put it in a closet to get it out of the way. So Sunday morning, I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and see if there's any boxes downstairs that I could steal. So I go downstairs, no boxes. And I was like, damn it, I could have really used like (laughs) two boxes today. So then I come back upstairs and I'm starting to like move some stuff around. And I'm like, I have all these stacks of magazines and I just really need to get rid of them. Like what I, I, am I just going to throw them away? Like, what am I going to do with them? And then I also have like 10 stacks of books that I'm getting rid of. And I'm like, were they playgirl magazines? No, (laughs) most of them are Harper's Bazaar. They're from my fashion days. Um, I used to keep them all for vision boards, but like, I just, anyways, whole nother thing. So then I have all these books that I need to get rid of as well. And I shit you not, I go somewhere on Sunday and I come back and I'm getting out of the elevator. And as I'm getting out of the elevator, I run into this guy who has two huge boxes in his hands. And I look at him and I'm like, <laughs> are you getting rid of those? And he's like, I am. And I said, well, may I take them off your hands for you? And he was like, sure. And then I, I shit you not, an hour earlier, I'd been on Facebook and I'd seen this woman post, I need magazines. Who has magazines? <laughs> Who is on the West side. And so I messaged her and I said, well, I'm not on the West side, but I have a ton of magazines. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to be in downtown tonight. Let me just run by and get them. And then I open up Instagram and my massage therapist sent me this article about this company that takes books to send to women in prison. Wow. And I'm like, bam, bam, bam. Three things that I wanted resources for came to me that day. And it is no accident. That's flow. No accident that those three things came into my life exactly when I asked for them and exactly when I needed them. It's it's that flow. It's amazing. And you talked about people miss magic that's all around them because they're so shut off. They're clogged up. They're staring at their phones while they're walking on the street. They miss meeting their husbands or their wives. They miss their loves of their so life. Funny. They miss... You know I've I mean? been told that I'm going to meet my husband in, an, in a moment of serendipity. And that like, I'm going to be so checked out and so out of it that I'm like, like, we're either going to like literally run into each other or he's going to have to like, like get my attention to be like, hello. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people miss it, right? People. Multiple people. And, yeah. and I think that this kind of synchronicity that happened for you in that situation, it happens to me all the time. And it's only when I'm aware that I'm in flow and I'm seeing signs and I'm seeing quadruple numbers all the time. And I'm like, Oh yes, 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 yes. I'm saying yes to all of these things that are flowing in life. And then everything works out. Like when you believe in it, it just seems to work out One, this is a small incident. I'm not going to be like, I was in a parking lot and this motherfucker, I was just like, I really want this front parking spot. And then it opened up motherfuckers and I got it. But I got 
I was trying to figure out how to pull this bathtub curtain thing behind me over before your call. And I only had one little clip and I was just like completely kind of half fucking with the idea that I would find something. Cause there's really nothing in here at all. And I was like, well, if it's meant to be clipped up, the universe will give me something. And then this just weird like chip thing that <laughs> doesn't, I don't even know what it is. It's like, I wish I could show it to you. It's like this, it looks like a soldering piece of a board or something just like was like by my foot. I don't know where it came from. And it, has this like spring on it and it was just perfect for clipping the other end and i was like well that was really weird but you know it worked so magic happens around us all the time i did something in january where i and you can do this too like ask for a sign yes you know i I asked the universe for a sign and i was very specific i said i want to see a monarch butterfly today and so i went to the park where i walk around this beautiful park in la and was like oh clearly that's where i'm gonna see this butterfly right like it's a park that's where butterflies live. This is where I'm going to see my butterfly. And I walked two miles around this lake, no butterflies. And I was like, <laughs> oh, the universe isn't listening to me. Clearly I'm doing it all wrong. Well, you know, like all the stories, whatever. <laughs> so I come home and I live in downtown and I was like, there's no, no butterflies are going to be flying by my window today. Like that's just not, it's, I live in downtown, right? So then I got this bug up my butt to go get an acai bowl for lunch. And so I go to get this acai bowl. But the funny thing was I always take, I am a creature of habit, Heath. You might not know this about me. I take the same paths and the same routes. Like, Do you? Oh, man, I am such a creature <laughs> of habit. So I'm taking my, my always path to the acai bowl place. But the sidewalk was closed. So I literally had to take a different route to the acai bowl place. On my way home, I go to come home. I stop at the grocery store on the way. Still can't take the path I always take because the fucking sidewalk is closed. So I had to go across the street and go on the other side of the street. Then I've never walked on that side of the street before, ever. And as I am crossing the street, I shit you not, Pharrell's happy came on in my earbuds. And I'm like jamming out to happy. And I look up as I'm crossing the street and there's a power box on the corner that is covered. It is painted in monarch butterflies. Oh. (laughs) And I was just like, okay, I get it. Like you're listening. It was like, I never could have expected it. And I would have never seen it because I never took that side of the street. And so I just always like the universe is always listening. There's always magic around us all the time, but more often than not, we don't see it. That's so true. I love the butterfly story. Lots of coincidences that we talked about in the call yesterday too, with Nikki, where you guys can actually, that's up publicly on YouTube. If you search for Nikki Kurt N I K K I K U R T and the language of light. And it's posted by me. So, um, Heath Armstrong, you can search for that too. Bree, I want to ask you one, what compelled you, uh, what led you to moving back to split time between Minneapolis and New York City? And two, we're doing a giveaway for Bree's book. Um, you guys can enter at heatharmstrong.com slash giveaway, and we'll pick a winner and send it out. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about permission to leap and also, but how? Because I think what you figured out through this process of permission to leap, which is an incredible, I'm not kidding, Bree, it's the system that you have to use to be able to set a vision and work towards it and bring it to life. Everything in it, whether you channeled it through meditation, whether you've experienced it, it's real stuff. So people listening, if you don't know where to start, I mean, you may have used the sweet ass journal or something else that helps, but this is, this is real information. Um, 
but what you've noticed is people keep asking, but how from a different point of view. And so you've started this new podcast that you're doing and, and a whole nother endeavor. Is that related to New York? Is, is it just something that's on the side or what's, what's the, um, fill me in on the deets, Bree. Okay. So this whole move came out of nowhere, Heath. Like, yes, I've, I've always known in my, like, I've wanted to live in New York since I was five. Like, this is something that's just been in my soul for my entire life. But I've really? always put it up that's on so the strange. pedestal. When people say yeah. that, I'm always like, ah, it's so crazy. Because, like, I think I always wanted to live in Oregon. When I was a little kid, I used to, like, they had, like, the Seattle Supersonics. And that was close to, like, the Northwest. Yeah. And I always had a fatuation. I don't know why, but now I'm here, so. Yeah, I um, have, I've always loved New York. And my mom, by the way, like, hates New York. Like, just is not a city person. So it's not like it was anything that was fed to me, right? Like, this was just something. And I didn't even go to New York until I was 16. So I was obsessed with this city that I'd never been to for my entire life. And I visited at the beginning of March. And for the first time in my life, it felt normal. So I always had put New York up on this pedestal huh. of, like, unattainable and impossible. And that it was, like, this big deal. And that it wasn't, like, it just wasn't, I wasn't capable of succeeding in that environment. And for whatever reason, I went in March and I was like, oh, this is actually, like, like, it feels normal. Like, like, this isn't something that's special. It just is, like, normal. Feels like home, it, man. Kind of. I don't know if it's that I've lived in downtown LA now for the last 18 months that I'm, like, city life is just, like, now my life. But, um... So yeah, so I went, I flew from New York to Seattle to do a keynote and I got to Seattle. I had thrown out my back in New York. And so I got to Seattle and immediately booked a massage next to the massage place was this place called Psychic Sister that one of my friends does tarot readings at periodically. And I was like, oh, I'll go see Pam before I get my massage. I go in, Pam's not there. This other woman is there. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'll just do it. I have time. So I sit down in front of this woman. This is literally how my move to New York came about, Heath. I sit down in front of this woman and she goes, are you in the midst of a relocation? And I was like, really? No. And she was like, mm, you're in the midst of a relocation. And I was like, well, and, I, and then I kind of started crying and I was like, well, I've always wanted to live in New York. And she's like, energetically, you are done with California. And mind you, this was a woman that didn't know me. I hadn't really, I hadn't told her anything about me. She didn't know that I had just gotten off the train from New York. Like she didn't know any of this stuff. And, uh, so I was like, and it just, Ugh, it just so happened. Crazy. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to New York. Like it's, and she was like, the universe has been trying to tell you, like, you've known this for at least the last six months, but you've not wanted to listen to it. And I said, well, I thought I was running away, which is my tendency as I just run from things. And so I was like, well, I don't want to run away from LA. I want to be really purposeful about if I'm leaving. And so I hadn't come to a place where I felt purposeful about it. And she was like, no, no, no. You're being called because it's time to go, not because you're running away from anything. And so that's how it all came about. And then I had planned to be in Minneapolis for the month of May anyways, um, just to do some press stuff around the book. I have several TV appearances already booked. My family's up there. Um, and then I started realizing that I kind of wanted to be there a little bit longer. One, my grandparents are getting older. My grandfather has dementia. 
Um, who knows how much longer he'll remember who I am. My grandmother turned 91. Last time I talked to her, she was slurring her words a little bit. Like, I just want to be around family. My sister and I haven't lived in the same time zone since she was 10 years old. Like, I just, it's just, it's, it's happening. And so part of the other thing that's really come up is that there are some things within me that I need to heal. Like some parts of my childhood, some parts of my being, some parts of who I am that I have got to let go of and I have got to transform before I land in New York City. And so I was actually talking to my clairvoyant and she was like looking at, you know, my energy and stuff. And she's like, good for you. She said, you don't have to go to Minnesota. You're choosing to go to Minnesota and Minnesota is actually going to be harder for you than New York is. She's like, you're going to face some shit there. That's going to be real fucking tough. And you're, you have, you have an out. You don't have to go there and you're choosing to go there. And that's unbelievable. She's like, that's amazing. Like good for you. Face those gremlins. I'm going back to heal some stuff. I'm going back to become a stronger person. I'm going back to reconnect with my family and host some events because the weird thing is a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about isn't happening in the Midwest. And I speak the language of the Midwest. Like I'm not one of those super airy, fairy, spiritual, blah, blah, blah. People. I can speak the language. I grew up in like, Ohio. Yeah, exactly. But like, if you look at a lot of the spiritual teachers, people don't go to the Midwest. No. They tour the West Coast. They Just, tour the East no, Coast. They but stay like, away from no the way. Southeast and the Midwest. And, you know, my thing is those people need, they need this it, information yeah. as much as anyone else does. And, you know, if I need to host an event a week while I'm back in Minneapolis, then that's what I'm going to do. But I'm just really feeling called to, you know, bring this messaging there and also do some healing work on myself. And one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite artists of all time is in Minneapolis. So I've never been there. I would love to go. Who is it? Slug from atmosphere. Atmosphere. He's one of the very few intelligent hip hop maniacs who he's he's insanely good like there's he's very intelligent and he's got his whole crew built up out of minneapolis and he owns, well runs rhyme come visit. i will be in and out of minneapolis for the next six months heath i should because i've never been but i hear it's beautiful so sabrina's coming in fact sabrina and i were walking around the lake the other day and she was like so what are we gonna do while i come to minneapolis is there anything to do and i'm like <laughs> Hang out by my parents' pool. Uh, bring your bikini. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. you have lakes everywhere, so. Yeah, I'm not a lake person. Really? I love yeah. lakes. No, I can't see, can't see the bottom. I, nope. So you don't nope. get in the ocean? Nope. Really? You don't know, not even like your legs? It's so mm-hmm. healing, though. I will get in the ocean to like, like at the shoreline. I will get in the ocean like that much, but then I'm. Well, yeah. I mean, that's enough to soak up the antioxidants from the water. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, no. no. <laughs> so that's my whole move. And then I'll be full-time in New York starting in probably November, December, uh, October, November, somewhere in there. So where can people get more information on But How? So But How is on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. Uh, it's up already? Also. So I have two, three episodes released, I think. My oh, fourth sweet. episode is going up next week. But yeah, the whole idea is that like, that's the biggest question people have. They're like, well, I want to do this thing, but how, like, how do I do it? And everything on the market right now is 
oh, you follow these five steps. And it's like, well, yes, if those are your five steps, but if they're not your five steps, then those five steps aren't going to help you. So you have to figure out internally what your path is before you start walking it. And I think a lot of people just immediately turn to the outside and are like, oh, well, I have to build a funnel. I have to build an email list. I have to do this. I have yeah. to do that. Well, if that's your path, absolutely fucking do it. But if you don't know what your path is and you're just trying to fill this hole with all these like, well, you need to do Instagram and you need to do Facebook and you need to do this and you need to do that. And like all these experts are going to feed you all this bullshit about what worked for them, which is great. It worked for them. But just because it worked for them doesn't mean it'll work for you. Yeah, no. So, but how is like the inner exploration of figuring out your path. And then my six month program is called activate the path within, which is kind of the same messaging of like, you really have to look inside to figure out what your path is before you go out into the world. Because if you're just trying to like slap these band-aids of like this program and that program, one, you're going to waste a lot of time Two, you're going to waste a lot of money and three, it's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's really about coming in contact with your intuition and trusting your, your inside. Like for me, I tried so many different things. Like you said, I was, I just tried everything that everybody else had to do and none of that ever worked. But what ended up working was when I just started listening to my inside and saying that this feels right, this yep. feels right. And that has led me to this day. I still do that every time. Like, does this feel right? And everybody it's hard to figure that out at first, but you know what direction you're being pulled. Like, you know, it feels better. And there might be some kind of red tape that keeps you from it, which I hope you can get out of that, you know, cut that tape. Um, I know sometimes it's, it's a very hard situation based on relationships or things like that, but I'm fascinated in this Brie, but how? Yeah, it's the biggest question. I, everyone asks, I have had like people say to me, well, I know where I am and I know where I want to be but how do I get there? Or like, you know, I, I teach people, especially with manifesting, like you have to, your faith has to outweigh your doubts or your fears. And everyone's like, but how, how do you, how do you, how do you build up your faith? Like everyone wants to know how, and the answers that everyone seeks are already there. They're already inside. You just have to uncover them. But most people don't want to do that work. They want to follow all the shiny little bright things outside of them. All the people that are giving them all the easy answers. <laughs> Absorb. And, you can take all those easy answers by all means, take them in 10 years. When you come back to this exact same spot that you're in right now, because all of those easy answers didn't work, call me. Right. You can save yourself 10 years and call me now. <laughs> I mean, but if you're not willing to do the inner work, then you're always going to be chasing the next big shiny object. Yeah. And shiny objects, you know, they're good for some things, but not so much for others. Bria, and every show, I want, this is something that I've been trying out, but I want you to ask me a question that you think will make me uncomfortable and I want to try to answer it. And so I've done this a few times. And well, if you I say something that you can think on it for a second while you're thinking about it or unless you what, have it. What was your biggest insight from visiting the cemetery. Sorry about the sirens. Um, that just that just adds character. Well, you know, when loud noises happen, it means that whatever you're about to say next is brilliant. Yeah. So, are you ready? <laughs> and you have a thing with sirens, don't you? Like a meditation cue or something? Is that you? No, 
I do build into my hypnosis though when people when I'm putting people into hypnosis that every sound they hear takes them deeper into a hypnotic state because I know that at some point the sirens yeah, gonna are going to ring. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was your biggest insight from being? Because I know you went to, and I don't remember the name of the cemetery, but you went to the cemetery in Paris where Jim Morrison is buried and Chopin and all these amazing, great, literally like the most creative minds that have come before us. Yeah. Um, did you have any good insights or any ahas while you were there? I... Other than Jim Morrison inhabiting your body. I love him. It was very. It was a weird feeling in there. Uh, it was a very wisdom, wisdomatic. Is wisdomatic a word? Wisdomatic. It is now. It was a very wis, wisdomatic feeling, and I was hesitant because of the the issue that I had with picking right. something up in the Alaskan Native graveyard. I I was actually walking through that cemetery, in awe with the beauty. I mean, the everything about it is just unbelievable you like think how long it's been there and and just the vibe that comes from it but i was at the same time whispering like you know i all all beings courts and light forms leave my body like you're not welcome you know what i mean like i was not letting anything in um and as much as i wanted to go to old jimmy boy there and and let him in to give me something creative i think i did a little bit um and something shifted when I got to that corner, but they've got this damn gate around it now. I don't know if it was there when you were there. People yeah, still hop it and pop flowers down and stuff. But I started to feel a little bit of awareness towards the people that were around his grave too, because it's interesting to where everybody can come. And they, they, they gate it off so that this is like the centerpiece. But then there's all these other others that are right there next to him around him. And I was starting to get really interested in what those were. And just trying to put my hand on them and try to feel what kind of energy was coming off of the different types of platforms. So it was interesting for sure. I think that I, I felt, um, I don't know. I felt like I, I gained some sort of knowledge, but I don't know what it is yet, but maybe it'll blossom at some point soon. Yeah. So it was really cool. Definitely. Did you go around and see the other areas of the graveyard as well? Yeah, we did. Good. Although I think a lot of people go in there and they go straight there and, and leave, but it's a big place. We didn't get to the whole thing. And There were three of us that went and each of us kind of had like our list of yeah. like, you know, Jim. Mo- I think Jim Morrison was the only one on mine, but like my girlfriend is a writer. So I think is Hemingway buried there? I don't, I don't remember, so. but there's like some really poignant writers and artists and composers. Yeah philosophers oh yeah we went we did oh we saw so much it was so cool paris is not my favorite place but i really enjoyed that experience well if you like putting bread in your ass it's a great place i thought it was a really beautiful city the architecture is amazing i'd never been to europe you know in the united states you just don't get that so i was fascinated fascinated but i cannot do the diet so it was uh yeah it was pretty awesome but I think I cheated a lot while I was over there. Pretty sure I did. How so? Well, I've been celiac for 12 years and I went in 2012 oh. and uh, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I know I did because we ate pastries every day and we had bread with jam and cheese and oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. So good. 
so good. Yeah, you know, macarons. You can't you can't stop dominating that stuff, especially if you like cheese. But I had some cheese that horrified me out there, and I was like, I it was the stinkiest, nastiest. They have all they have a just a variety I've never even heard of before. So. Beware. Yeah, I don't eat the stinky stuff, and I don't eat the stuff where you can visibly see the mold on yeah, it. Because be... even though I know cheese is mold, I don't want to see it. Yeah, like, I don't want to see that I'm eating it. Yeah. So that's my line. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what kind of ge- sacred geometry, like, I wonder what cheese looks like in sacred geometry. Just incredible. Maybe maybe if you can pull in the talents of your auntie, you can do some some sketching with your colored pencils, and we'll see. I'll cheese. do my best. So far See what right now, forms into. my colored pencils just stay in the lines. I just color, color <laughs> other people's drawings, and I just stay in the lines. We'll Free. This is awesome. This is exactly how I wanted the conversation to go. Free oh. and, oh, I mean, we never saw any of these topics coming before we started this, and it flowed perfect. Nope. So where can everybody get in touch with you? Um, you can find me on all the social channels. I particularly love Facebook and Instagram. I'm Bree Seely on basically everything, and my website is breeseely.com. And do you really love those platforms, or do you feel like you have to be on them? I love Instagram, actually. Yeah. Like, I really love Instagram. One, it's an artistic outlet for me because after I let go of fashion, I was like, I need something creative. Right. It's my favorite of all of them, too. Yeah. I get to tell this beautiful visual story, and I get to, like, provide value to people, and I get to have conversations with people. I've started doing this thing where when someone follows me on Instagram, they get a video of me being like, hi. So nice to meet you. This is who I am. Really? That's crazy. I'm so excited to get to know you. And it's fun. It's starting conversations. I'm getting to have chats with people all over the world. I have How do you send them the video? Like, you just, like, do the... Uh... Direct message. Oh, and, uh, cool. Yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. I had this great conversation with this woman in New Zealand the other day. And, like, I don't know. It's just super fun. This guy was chatting with me last night and was like, you know, I'm doing this, 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 and this, but I'm more lost than I ever have been. And I was like, as an offering, it doesn't sound like you're lost. <laughs> like... You know, so I get to have these cool engagements and interactions with people that I never would have gotten to do before. And it's just, it's fun. I I genuinely like Instagram. And I genuinely, well, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. And Twitter, I don't really have any feelings about. I feel so. like Facebook is just getting worse and worse every time. But there's such a powerful connective, connection tool there that that nothing else has yet so and because i've lived all over the world it's like my one place where all my people are that i get to like know what's going on in people's lives and like check in with them and it's just like it's a place where i just i can my people are all there like the people that i lived in europe with the people that i lived in seattle with minnesota like all over oh Actually, I love Instagram, too. I just made a new friend on Instagram who also lives on the Upper East Side. And I'm like, when I move there in six months, we're going to be friends. Like, you know, it's just... I can tell that we are going to be friends. Two of my best friends I've made on Instagram. You know, it's just... I just... I love social media for that. One of my best friends that taught me how to sell on Amazon, I met through a Twitter auto-direct message. So don't underestimate the power of connecting, period, whether it's through a social media platform that you love or hate. And last question, Bree... If you could give anybody a wedgie in the world, who would it be? Mm, I mean, the obvious answer is Trump. I, I just dun, dun, like, is there really anyone else in the world that deserves one at this point? <laughs> I'm no. Heath Armstrong. 
This is Bree Seeley. What were you going to say? I have all sorts of opinions about that. I actually think that him being in our world is absolutely perfect right now. But I talked he, about that with a wedgie. I, I talked about that with Jared um, and Gaza on episode two because it. Yes, there is something dramatic that's happening with our ability to stand up for ourselves now that would not have happened if the political holes would have stayed exactly the same. We'd all still just be unaware, like we talked about earlier, but now voices are speaking out. People are understanding that there are these big problems and there are there is a, a gigantic silver lining coming from it. And so, yeah, that's a good point yeah. to bring up. Amen. Doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve a fucking wedgie, Bree. Fact. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, everybody listening to this, um, I hope that your undies are soiled now and you can go clean them because it is, it is over. And Bree, thank you so much thank you. for coming on. Obviously, you are an icon to live a life of never stop peaking in every way possible. And I'll have you on again. I want you to be a repetitive guest. Done. There's a place called space and it's got the magic. There's a place called space and it's got the balls. There's a place called space and it's got the passion. There's a place called space where we can smash the walls. There's a place called space where we'll face fuck conformity and the chatter of incompetence and slaughtered at birth. In this place called space, we'll build a factory of smiles that will assemble with our minds and sell to earth. Ta ta I hope everybody here is doing fantastic. Just as I always am, smelling some beautiful flowers and just listening to some great conversations. Um I just wanted to remind all of you that you can follow Heath on social media at Heath Fist Pumps. You can find the hub for the Sweet Ass Journal and Rage Create and the Domination Deck and all the articles that he diddles in sometimes and the funny, funny show notes at HeathArmstrong.com as well. So check that out and check out the Sweet Ass Journal and super tits thanks to Mr. Jeremy Thomas for the intro and outro music collaboration and Mr. Matthew Jaggers with that sexy last name. Jaggers and all of the bridge music work in this particular episode. I hope all of you have a fantastic day, just as I always do. Ta ta!